Amen. All right, we're going to get into the Word of God. We're going to Luke chapter 19, uh, which is the a continuation of our series in our, our value or our theme for this year, which is the theme of restore. And we've been talking about what it means to be restored, and we're looking at Bible characters whose lives were restored. Uh, so this morning, we're going to be changing uh, our focus in the same series of A Life Restored and looking at the life of a man named Zacchaeus. Can everybody say Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus. Great. Now, can you spell it? Just kidding. I can't even spell it. Man, thank God for Google. All right. Uh, But we're going to look at Luke chapter 19 to look at the story of a man named Zacchaeus. And my hope and prayer is that each of us uh, can learn from the way in which Zacchaeus' life was restored. And I do think that as we look at this story, there is a lot for us to take away. So hopefully this isn't just uh, a Bible study per se, although studying the Bible is good. Hopefully it leads to application, right? Hopefully our study leads to us asking good questions. What does this passage mean to me? How do I put these learnings and principles into practice so that my life might be changed and that I might live more faithfully unto the call of Christ? That's our hope and prayer as we study the Word of God and the life of Zacchaeus here this morning. Does that sound good? Praise the Lord. Man, I'm excited to get into the Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the invitation to gather, to worship together. We thank you for a full house here at Mission Ebenezer Family Church on this beautiful Sunday that you've given us. Uh, Even though it's been a lot, we do thank you for the rain uh, because we know that our land needs it. Uh, People talk about a drought, and and, and we see that you continue to be faithful and provide. Uh, So, Lord, thank you for providing the rain. Uh, Be with those as they drive to and from different places. Father, be with those who are joining us online, uh, some of whom might be battling illness, some of whom may not be able to get up and out of their of their homes as freely as many of us are able to. Uh, maybe even some are out of the area, out of the region. And so we pray your blessing on those as well. Um, and Father, we pray that as we open up your word and we look at this story, that you would minister to us, uh, that we would be open to hearing what you have for us, God. If anybody came here distracted, I pray that we would have the ability to focus so that we can take away uh, what you want us to hear, learn, and apply. Uh, Lord, I also pray that if anybody came in this morning discouraged because of life and its challenges, which they leave encouraged by you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get right into it. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. We're going to take it verse by verse. Is that all right? Okay, here we go. Verse 1 says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Okay, I said we're going to take it verse by verse, so let's pause right there. Verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was what? Passing through. We get this beautiful note here in the Gospel of Luke, right at the beginning of this story, that Jesus had no intention to stay in Jericho. How do we know that? Because verse 1 tells us that he was passing through. So it says he came to a place called Jericho. In fact, let me just kind of give you a little bit of context about where we are in Luke 19 and where we're going. In fact, if you continue to read past chapter 19 into chapter 20 and following, you realize that when he ultimately lands in Jerusalem on this journey, that would be the last journey that Jesus would take in his earthly ministry. Right? He, he wouldn't leave Jerusalem after that point. 
ultimately, he'd land in Jerusalem, and from there, he would be arrested, and from there, he would be taken to a cross, and from there, he would be crucified for our sins. And this was the last time that Jesus had the opportunity to take a journey. So when we think about verse 1 of this passage, it says he, he was going to Jerusalem, but he didn't have any plans to stay in Jerusalem because he was just passing through. And I believe it's so important for us to take a moment to reflect on this phrase. It has a lot uh, in there for us to learn about the way of Christ. Now, we might just read verse 1 and say, all right, Pastor Kobe, keep reading because I know this isn't the meat of the passage. We got who is he going to meet in, Jer in, in Jericho and what are they going to be talking about and what are they going to be doing? But I don't want us to move too quickly, intentionally past this simple phrase, passing through, because I believe it teaches us so much about how we, as 21st century Americans, need to learn from the way of Christ. We're the kind of people that have destination points. We always got somewhere to be. And we're always late. Tell me I'm lying, right? We're always like, I got to be here, man, and I'm already 10 minutes late. So we're going, one, whether we're in my car, whether I'm walking, right? We are, we've got some place to be. Our calendar, if you use a calendar, I use a calendar, is so full. Sometimes it's even overlapped, right? Even recognizing symbolically that I don't have time for my time. Right? And if I don't have time, then, then I've got no uh, ability to be anywhere other than destination points. To expand that a little bit more, oftentimes in our lives, we tend to think of uh, what we're focusing on by virtue of things we're hoping to accomplish or complete or, or finish. So for some of you here, raise your hand if you're in school. If you're in some kind of school right now, whether it's job training school, whatever, raise your hand really quick. Let's look at all our students. Look around. Right, So all these hands that are raised in the sanctuary, uh, they represent, some of you are kind of like, I bet you you've either said or thought this phrase multiple times over the last few years. I cannot wait because once I graduate, fill in the blank, right? Once I graduate from my program, then a whole lot of other things. So the focus is like, okay, let me just get to the finish line. Let me just get to the finish line, right? There's something good about that, right? But oftentimes it, we can also miss the beautiful things that God wants to do before the finish line because we're so focused on the finish line. Others in here are like, you know what? When I just get married, things are going to be just fine. Or for those who are married and you're hoping for kids, as soon as we are able to have kids, then, then uh, or for some of us, it's like as soon as I, as soon as I could buy that house, man, I've been saving and saving and saving. And as soon as we buy that house, then everything. And so we, we fill our lives, our hopes, our dreams, our focus with destination points. I want to get there. I want to do that. I want to be this. And we focus on those things. And how often are, are many of us so focused on those things that we completely miss the journey? Right? We're so focused. We, we punch, punch it into our Google Maps. This is the address. This is where I want to get to. And we are just so focused on that space that in, in between, we miss so many things. When we study the life of Christ... The majority of miracles, the majority of conversations, the majority of uh, 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 impromptu sermons or parables that come up happen in the journey. It doesn't have, oh, Jesus arrived. Now he's ready to do what he's going to do. No, no, no. He does what he does on the way. And so here in, in Luke chapter 19, he's trying to get to Jerusalem. 
Right? One of my other favorite passages, and we preached on this quite a bit, is in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus is trying to get somewhere and he keeps getting interrupted time and time again. The woman comes out, man, I got this issue of blood that's been holding me back. And then somebody else comes, my daughter's sick. Can you come over here? And then somebody else comes and it's like, man, can the guy get to where he's trying to get to? But Jesus wasn't focused on where he was trying to get to. He was focused on where he was. We could learn something from that church. Like I said, we live in such a day and age that is so fast paced. We multitask. We try to be in so many different places at once that we cannot even pay attention to those who are right in front of us. But I love that Jesus teaches us a different way. So I want to encourage us, including myself, especially myself, to take a page out of Jesus's book and to try to learn what it means to be present and to see people who are right in front of me, regardless of what my destination points are. Right? It's not just about getting there. It's about what's going on right now. And, and Jesus was intentional, man. He would go different places on the way on purpose because he knew that there were going to be some interactions that came up that maybe he wasn't even anticipating. Okay, so I want to encourage us, if, if, if some of us are so hyper-focused on destination points or just one thing to the next, try to create a little bit of space, spiritual space, emotional space, right? Maybe even waking up in the morning and offering up a prayer to God, simply saying, Lord, help me to see the people that you put in front of me today and really see them, not just like notice them, but really see them, right? Lord, help me to pay attention to those little uh, subtle notes that your Holy Spirit might prompt for me. Help me not to be so busy and preoccupied in my thoughts, in my worries, in my concerns, in my hopes, in my dreams, in, in my agenda. Help me not to be so absorbed in what's on my mind that I miss opportunities to be a, a representation of your presence in every conversation that I come across today. Imagine if we started each day with that sense of awareness. Right. God, I know you're going to bring somebody uh, across my path today that I was not expected. Help me to be ready for that. Help me to be ready to pray for them, whether pray for them verbally or pray for them from afar. I don't know about you, but I love spiritually praying for people that they don't even know I'm praying for them. It's not always about going up and laying hands. Yes, do that. That's awesome. It's powerful. It could change lives. You know what else can change lives? You're on the bus and you look over and you see somebody else on the bus and man, you could tell they're going through some stuff. The Lord Jesus, I kid you not, I promise you, the Lord Jesus will fill your heart if you're open to it with the specific thing that they need that you can pray for them. Even if you don't introduce yourself, you look over and you say, Lord, I pray for that, that, that woman over there. I know she's, in fact, this is what she might be going through and I'm going to ask God that you deliver Deliver her from that, that you give her strength for today. Father, I want her to know that you love her so passionately and that you haven't forgotten about her, what she's carried. Imagine if we went through our day aware and ready to see people in that way. We would then be following the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But how often are we like, I ain't got time for that lady over there. She got her own mess. I got my own mess. I'm going to turn this way because I don't want her mess to remind me of my mess. So let me look out this other window. Oh, man, that's messed up, too. Man, I'm just going to close my eyes, put my own headphones on, close myself out to the world because I ain't got time for everybody else's trouble. Imagine if Jesus lived his life in that way. See, the thing about it is we, as followers of Christ, have this invitation, not of our own doing, not of our own strength, not of our own wisdom, not of even our own awareness, but being able to say, Lord, today, I'm busy, I'm tired, I'm hungry, 
I'm distracted, and I give you all those things because I want someone else to experience you today. Help me to be faithful in the moments, even if I don't have the right words to say, even if I don't have the right prayer to say, even if I don't have something physically to give. Man, you know, sometimes when you're walking around and you see somebody who might be, you know, uh, experiencing homelessness, they don't have a place to stay consistently. Yeah, they might want a few bucks. Yeah, they might want something to eat. And what I would encourage you is do that. Give them something to eat. Give them a few bucks, right? Uh, in fact, uh, my wife, I loved it. She reminded me of something. I was going through my closet and I'm like, man, I have not worn those seven jackets in like five years. And they're just taking up closet space. I'm going to take them off. I'm going to go donate them somewhere. And Drea says, put them in the back of your car. She was like, Don't, didn't you tell me about that one guy you always see over there? And it's getting kind of cold, and, and I bet you he could probably use an extra jacket. Put it in the back of your car. And when you stop by, go over there and say, hey, man, you need a jacket? Right? Do it. Get, give somebody a sandwich. Give them something, something to eat. Give them something. Even fresh, cold, or, or, or bottled water, man, is a blessing. You might think, I don't have $10 to give. I don't have $20 to give. I don't have time to stop and say hello to somebody. But but if you just reach over and grab that that bottle of water that you had and say, hey, man, you need some fresh water. Oh, that's one of the best responses that I'll get is from somebody. Really? Yeah, here you go. Thank you, man. Everybody needs water. Right. We might have it in our fridge coming through the the, the pipes. We might have it in our, our, you know, uh, being able to go to the store and get a case of it or whatever. But not everybody has access to all that. So if we opened up our eyes just to see people a little differently, right? And sometimes it's even a matter of saying, hey, what's your name? Right? Rather, that person is no longer homeless man, but now they're Mark or Jerry or whatever it may be, right? At that point, they, be, they have a name. And when you have a name, you have dignity. But where does it start from? Eye contact. That's another trouble that we have in our world today. Man, we're so focused on our phones, nobody makes eye contact. Right? I can't see people if all I'm doing is scrolling on my 17 apps, flicking back and forth. Oh, let's see what's going on. Cool, cool. I see what everybody else is doing all over the world except for what's happening right in front of me. Right? I know what they're doing in New York. I know what they're doing in Tokyo. I know on TikTok. I know what they're doing over here. Right? I got, I know what's going on everywhere except for what's going on right in my own house, right in my neighborhood. Right on my street, right in my school, right in my workplace. Right? Man, I, 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 ain't, I ain't. Never mind. Let me get off of that. We got to get back to the word. Pastor Manuel, you got you to stop saying amen when I say that, Pastor Manuel. We got to get to verse 2. <laughs> Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Thank you. Okay, so... Um, A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Everybody say Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Let's pause right there. Some of you are thinking, great, awesome. What does that mean? A tax collector in these days in that region would have been somebody who was ethnically Jewish, maybe even religiously Jewish somewhat, but they would have been shunned by their own people because collecting taxes essentially meant that they had a, uh, they had they had joined forces and become allegiant to Rome 
over their own people of, of, of Israel. So then they would represent Rome and go and tax the people uh, a, a ridiculous amount of taxes, right? How many of us love taxes? Raise your hand if you just love taxes. Okay. Uh, the, the young people are kind of like, I don't know, uh, right? The, the, the other folks, when you look at your paycheck, at the end of each pay period, does it, doesn't it sting a little bit when you look at what you could have been bringing home as opposed to what you were actually able to bring home, right? In the little, it's kind of like, oh man, shoot, right? So here we go. We got, we got this guy named Zacchaeus who was a tax collector. That meant that he, again, was kind of uh, um, uh, contracted by Rome to tax his own people. So people didn't like tax collectors very much. Right. In fact, it was it was uh, customary for them to kind of stay away from others because, you know, they were so disliked that they, they were at jeopardy of, you know, not being safe, potentially losing their lives. So they would stay away from things. Right. Oh, hey, we're having this wedding tax collector. Are they going to go? Probably not. Why? Because they know nobody there likes them. Right. Um, and so. So here, Zacchaeus is a tax collector, but verse 2 tells us not only was he a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector. What that means is he worked his way up the ranks to the point where now not only was he collecting taxes, but he was hiring and training others to collect taxes. So he was really hated by his own people, a chief tax collector. He was a shrewd, harsh Man, right? He, they, they probably did not make very many exceptions. He was the kind of guy that would come. He would be the repo guy, right? He would come over and say, hey, you haven't paid your taxes. I'm going to have to take that donkey right there. That's, I know that's your favorite donkey, but uh, hopefully once you get yourself in a better situation, you could afford a new donkey. But right now I'm going to have to take this donkey. So go ahead and give your donkey a hug. Tell him you love him. You're going to miss him. And I'm taking your donkey, Right? Right. So 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 he was he was he was a mean man. OK. And uh, and so we, we have a little bit of that that understanding of that for for who Zacchaeus was. I find this interesting, though, there's this interesting correlation and parallel. If you read the chapter before in Luke 18, Jesus is talking to a bunch of people and he actually shares a parable. The parable is a story that illustrates some kind of spiritual truth. And in that story in Luke 18, Jesus says, hey, there's there's these two guys that are going to uh, the temple to pray. And there's one guy uh, who is part of the Pharisees. Who are the Pharisees? There's a group of these very religious Jews. They were the most devout people that you would ever meet. They, had, they would go to extra school on top of their, uh, their uh, Jewish school on Saturdays, and they would learn so much about the Torah, about the Bible, that they would repeat scriptures, and then they would hold others accountable and essentially stand around telling you what you're doing wrong according to your life compared to the scriptures. So they, they had a, a, a reputation for being very legalistic, and they would follow things by the T, and, uh, and so, so Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 18. He says, there's this one guy who's one of those, a Pharisee, very religious, very spiritual, reads the Bible all the time. And he says his prayer in, in Luke 18 sounds a little something like this while he's in the temple. God. And he'd say it really loud right in the middle of everybody so everybody could see and hear his prayer. Thank you that I'm not a sinner like all these other people. Thank you that you have taught me how to pray multiple times every day and to study Torah and to fast and to give my tithe on time every time. 
Thank you that I'm not like these broke down sinners all around me. And then Jesus said, but in the same temple, there's another guy who's there who's the tax collector. And the tax collector says a prayer, but he doesn't want anybody else to hear the prayer because he's a little bit embarrassed and maybe he's a little scared about being too up in the mix. So at a distance, he stays away from people and he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And in Luke 18, Jesus says, which one of these men would have their prayer heard and expect what they have asked? And, And everybody there says, it's probably the other one who humbly comes before God recognizes his own sin, isn't trying to get attention from everybody, and simply says, Lord, forgive me. And they said, is that guy is the one whose prayer will be heard. It's interesting that that takes place in Luke chapter 18. And here in Luke chapter 19, we have a story of Jesus meeting one of the chief tax collectors of Jericho. I don't know if uh, Zacchaeus actually heard that parable that Jesus told. It almost seems like he could have by virtue of the timing of the parable being told and the story that we have in Luke 19. But even if he didn't hear that parable specifically, he probably heard that Jesus wasn't afraid to talk to tax collectors. The religious leaders of that day, they'd leave them alone. Man, we want nothing to do with those guys. They are sinners. They are blasphemers. They are partnering with Rome. We want nothing to do with them. But he may have heard that Jesus was a little different. That Jesus was willing to talk with those that others weren't willing to talk with. So here we go, verse 3 of chapter 19. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And I always find that that's kind of of savage that uh, Luke points out that detail about Zacchaeus. Right? He could have just said, he wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't see over the crowd. He could have avoided, you know, omitted that phrase, but he had to put him on blast so that we all know forever and ever that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And if you don't know why I say that, it's because we learned that song in Sunday school. You ever heard that song before? Some of you have. Some of you are like, man, I didn't grow up in church. I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Coba. All right, I'll give you a little taste of it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He, see, you hear that? This is what we teach our kids, to make fun of we little men. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't know why Luke, Luke could have just said, man, it was hard to see over the crowd and that would have been fine. But Luke wanted us to know that Zacchaeus had a height disability. Okay. So, or, or, or as my wife likes to say, vertically challenged. Um, and, and so we, we have this, this very important detail, but, but I, I want to point out that in verse 3 it says he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't. crowd was too big. He was too short. So he ran ahead, verse 4 says, and he climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him because Jesus was coming that way. I want to point something out here. I believe Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. But I don't think he wanted Jesus to see him. I think Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but I don't think he wanted to be seen by Jesus. And I wonder if there's anybody here this morning who maybe you're here because you want to see a little bit about Jesus, but you're not too sure yet if you want Jesus to see you. Right? Uh, you, You may be, oh man, I'm curious. I've gone through a lot of my life. I don't know, church might help. 
People tell me that church has helped them. People tell me God has helped them. I'm not too sure where I'm at in terms of whether I'm ready to go all in. So I want to be close enough, but not too close. I want to see him, but I don't want to be seen by him. Right? I'm going to climb up in a tree. I'm going to mind my own business. I want to hear what he has to say. I want to see what he looks like, but I'm not too sure yet if I want to be face to face with him. And here Zacchaeus was, was in this position of interested in Jesus. And that's how many of us start our walk with Christ is we're curious. We're interested. Tell me more. I want to hear more, right? What I would say is this, as we think about being a witness and and as we think about others who we want to hear and know Jesus Christ, the best witness that they'll ever have isn't me or Pastor Josh or one of us preaching the word of God. It's your life that's going to cause them to want to know more about Jesus. It's not about how we have things together as a church. Man, this is a beautiful church. We got a lot of things together and we got a lot of things that we don't have together. But believe it or not, people are going to know Jesus by watching your life. They're going to say something's different about her or him. They didn't used to be that way, but all of a sudden, man, their smile is different. Their voice is different. How they live their life is different. Their actions are different. What matters to them is different. And that's the opportunity that we all have to say it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. So here we have Zacchaeus who's curious about Jesus And so he wants to see him, but he doesn't maybe necessarily want to be seen by him. So he climbed up on a tree to see who this guy named Jesus was. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he saw, he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Okay, if you, let's just be, keep it real today, all right? This is a church that likes to keep it real. If Jesus straight up came into Mission Ebenezer Family Church right now through like that door or something, right? Let's just picture that door. If he walked through that door right there and he walked in here and he walked all the way up right up to your seat and he said, hey, after church, I'm coming over to your house. I guarantee you we would have mixed emotions about that request. Right, Some of you would be like, man, I got to put away the laundry. The dishes are crazy. I ain't ready for Jesus to come to my house. The beds aren't made. Right? The makeup's all over the counter. Some of you are like, Pastor Cole, why are you telling us how your house looks? <laughs> right? I got to go pick up the dog stuff in the backyard. Jesus is coming over. Man, if Jesus told you he's coming over your house, some of you right here would be like, man, I am ready. In fact, I got up this morning and just, it, it just had that feeling that Jesus was going to come to my house. So you're ready. You're, you even hired somebody to come over and help you clean yesterday so that Jesus could come over and, and you could be like, come on in, welcome. You know, sit wherever you like. You know, you got something good on the stove that's already cooking and smells good. Others of us would be like, ah, oh, Jesus, man. You think we could do next week? (laughs) Right? Some of us would be, let me get some things set up first before you come over to my house. You know? But but let's go a little deeper than that, right? I'm kind of messing around a little bit with the way our houses might look. But let's go a little deeper than that. Would we be ready for Jesus to come in and see us? See our marriages. See our relationships with each other. Would we we be ready to have Jesus come in 
and, and began to go through and say, like, so how's it going, man? Like, how's your life going? What 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 you been up to? Right? Many of us would be like, oh man, no way, I ain't ready for that. Right? Others of us would be hungry. We'd be like, yes, Lord, please come on over. I'd love to spend time with you. That would be amazing to have Jesus come over as a as a house guest. And so here we have this, this beautiful story where, where Zacchaeus you know, wanted to see Jesus, maybe didn't want to be seen by Jesus, but sure enough, knowing Jesus, what did I say? As he's going from one place to the next, his eyes were wide open, right? I mean, you would think he's on his way to Jerusalem. There's a guy hanging out in the tree. Throw him a peace sign. Keep walking, right? What up, dude? How you doing? Have a good one. Be safe. Coming down, dog. Right? Keep going to Jerusalem. But Jesus looked up and he saw Zacchaeus and he said, we're going to have lunch, man, at your place. On you, bro, because I know you got ins because you're a chief tax collector, homie. So you're buying lunch for me and all these disciples, too. Call who you got to call. We'll be there in two hours, bro. Right? So Zacchaeus, I love it. Verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly, right? Isn't that cool? Right away. This is what I like to say as, uh, you know, you ever, people tend to think of the world and faith and the church through a negative lens. Like, oh man, the world is so evil and horrible and like nobody loves Jesus anymore. What I would say is, man, people are like one step away from knowing Christ. So many people we know are like one step critical event, one hardship, maybe they're even one success. And I love hearing, I think it was Tom Brady, after winning like four Super Bowls, they had an interview, and in the interview he said, I've, I've, ex- I've experienced what some people live their whole lives to experience four times. I don't really know what else there is out there. And we, ha- we have an answer, and the, our answer is, you know what? Super Bowls are great, man. But believe it or not, that trophy is going to have rust on it one day. But there's another trophy that won't, right? There, there's, there's, this, there's, there's stuff that happens now, and then, then there's eternity. And some of us put all of our emphasis on what's happening right now and not enough focus on eternity. So Zacchaeus says, come on, let's do it. Bring them, Right? And all of a sudden, he's like, all right, he starts, he starts texting the boys and all that. Hey, you grab the ice, man. You swing by the carniceria because right now I know the line's already long. Go get a ticket and wait. Get three tickets just in case, right? And here's a 20 so that you can offer it to somebody that's like 10 people in front of you to ask if you, if you could swap numbers with them in the line at the carniceria. You ever done that trick? Okay. Now, you, if you're already going to pay $12 a pound for carne asada, you might as well throw a 20 and get like 10 spots ahead. Just saying tips and tricks. From a Mexican. So, so Zacchaeus, is, he's excited. He's ready. He's bringing Jesus. Jesus is coming to his house. Jesus is coming to his house. Jesus is going to sit down in his home. Jesus is going to have a conversation with him. Like I said, some of us will be excited about that moment. Others of us will be terrified because we're curious about Jesus, but we're not ready for him to come all the way up into our stuff and see our stuff. But I want to tell you a secret this morning. He already knows your stuff. And he's not afraid of your stuff. And you don't got to clean it up for him to come on in. In fact, he wants to come on in because it don't really matter to him. He's not that kind of Jesus. 
For Jesus, He's not coming in to expect a perfect home. What Jesus is expecting for you is to open up your door and say, Lord, I've been waiting for you a long time. Come on in. I mean, I picture Jesus as the kind of person that you walk into my house with me today. If he came over for lunch, oh, I'm sorry, man, I, I got to get this now. No worries. Where you want my help? All right. How about you? You take the kitchen. And I'll tell you, all right, I got it. And he goes over there and just starts getting to work. That's how Jesus was. He wasn't one of those types that wants to be treated a certain way. You sit here, wait right there while everybody does all these different things. He'd get into it with us. Isn't that how he does it in our lives? Sometimes we have this, this thought that we got to have everything figured out before we fully start walking with Jesus, and that's the opposite. In fact, we can't ever get it figured out unless we welcome him into our mess. We say, Lord, come on in. Our bad for all this. And Jesus is like, it's all good. That's why I came. Right? And so he comes, and he spends time with Zacchaeus. It says, uh, verse 7 says, All the people saw this, and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. That's, that's what they had to say. Isn't that an interesting perspective? He's gone to be the guest. All this has taken place, and the only thing that they could say is he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. What does that reflect? That they were self-righteous? What does that reflect? That they were a hypocrite? What does that reflect? That they were jealous? They probably wanted him to come to their party that they had already gotten ready because they were sure that Jesus was going to accept their invitation to come to this fancy house with everything put together and have lunch with them. And Jesus is like, nah, I'm going to call this dude down from the tree and we're going to his house for dinner. They were jealous. They were, they were, they were judgmental. And so all they could say was he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But look at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Oh, he was convicted by the presence of Jesus. How many of us feel that way sometimes when we enter into the presence of Jesus and all of a sudden the things in us that aren't right begin to be, be clear for us that we need to pay attention and start working on those things. Right? When we're in the presence of Christ, then he comes and he starts to say, hey, let's work this out. Let's fix this. Let's take this. Let's take care of this issue. Let's take care of this problem. Too many of us in here, there's a number of reasons why we hold back from that kind of engagement with Christ. Sometimes it's because we're embarrassed about our sin. We're embarrassed and we're guilty. And because of our embarrassment and our shame, we stay as far away from the presence of God as possible because we know that as soon as we begin to experience it, we're going to have to deal with that stuff that we've been carrying. And some of us are like, even though we know it's going to be better for us when we deal with it and we let go of it, we're not sure if we have the emotional fortitude to begin that journey. So we hang on to it, we stuff it away, and we stay away from the presence of God. And I want to encourage us today. Hey, the Lord already knows what you're carrying. He already knows what you've been through. He knows the mistakes that you made, and He knows the mistakes that you've made trying to cover those mistakes that you made. And guess what? He loves you anyway. And He died on the cross for you anyway. And he's calling you anyway. And he wants to have lunch with you anyway. And he wants to come to your house anyway. 
Jesus didn't say to Zacchaeus, say, Zacchaeus, go fix your life, and when your life's ready, then invite me over, and I'll come and have dinner with you. Jesus said, right now, get down from that tree. We're going to your house. And on the way to their house, Zacchaeus is like, I got to make some things right. Because I've been ripping people off. I've been treating people bad. I've been taking their donkeys from them when it's the only thing they had. And I feel bad about that. And all of a sudden you hear, in this backyard. I'm taking that, that guy back first. He was convicted, but that conviction led to change. And I want to encourage us this morning that when you experience that Holy Spirit conviction, sometimes we associate that with a bad thing. Like, oh man, dang. Lord, why you got to be following me around like that? I know what I said wasn't right, but I don't need you rubbing it in my face. And the Lord's like, well, I got to do some of that because I want you to change. I want you to be different. Why? See, some of us think, okay, God wants us to change because right now we're spiritually we're getting a D and, uh, and we need to go and get an A. Spiritually, maybe some of us feel like we are being we are being chastised because we are being judged and we are falling short and we are dishonoring God or disappointing God. And what I want to share with you theologically is that God is like a good coach. God is like a good coach. I got 11 year olds. We were working together yesterday for a couple of hours out on the baseball field. And when I raise my voice. And I get excited and I, and I take a, a, a boy aside and I say, hey, dude, we're going to fix this. You keep doing this. If you keep doing that, you're going to keep seeing the same result. You're going to swing and miss or pop up. I'm going to teach you how to hit line drives. But if you want to hit line drives, you're going to have to do it this way. Do you want to hit line drives? Yes, I want to hit line drives. All right, well, we're going to work on this 20 times in a row. And as soon as you get it, you're going to see a difference. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. And they go and all of a sudden they're hitting line drives. I'm not trying to tell him you suck, you keep hitting pop flies, and you're striking out, you're never going to be any good. See, we hear that voice spiritually in our lives. I suck, I'm a sinner, I'm terrible, I keep falling short, I'm no good. But Jesus comes and says, no, I'm not here to condemn you, I want to see you different. I want to see you change. I want to see your life change. I want to see your actions change. I want to see your words change. I want to see your family change. I want to see your future change. I want to see your generations change. I want to see your faithfulness change. I want to see you become the man that you were always meant to be. I want to see you become the woman that I, I created you to be. That you don't got to stay stuck in your old habits. But you got to be willing to let me into your house. Now, he's not coming to call out all these different things so that we feel bad about it. He's coming to say, let's get this stuff right. Let's get this right. So Zacchaeus says, come on over. And as they're coming, all of a sudden he goes, oh, all right. I think I already know what I got to do. I'm having lunch with Jesus. I heard about this guy. I heard he's the son of God. Um, he's probably not going to be too happy about the fact that I make all my living off of cheating people. So if I'm inviting God to my house, I'm going to have to do something about that problem. I'm going to have to make right some of my wrongs. And so he stands up. Man, it's hard to confess, isn't it? It's even hard to confess between you and God privately. And even harder to confess in front of others. He was the chief tax collector. That means this dude was the boss. And when you're the boss, it's hard to admit that you're wrong. It's hard to, for others to see you weak. And Zacchaeus stands up in front of all his guests and in front of Jesus and all his guests. 
And he goes, Lord, look. Right now, all this stuff that you see, if you come around next time, half of it's going to be gone. I'm giving it away. He says, I'm going to give away to the poor. He says, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'm going to pay it back four times the amount. He made this confession. He stands up. He says, I'm a cheater, right? I've cheated people out of their own stuff. I've stolen from people what, what doesn't belong to me. And that's how I've become wealthy and gotten all this power and prestige. And I've been wrong. And I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm going to make right these things. And I'm going to go and bless some of these people with things that they don't have. And all of a sudden, he made this proclamation. See, sometimes we think of the word repentance. Everybody say repentance. And, and we tend to, uh, and, and I think this is uh, quite self-serving, that we spiritualize the concept of repentance. That it's this moment where we come up to the altar, we say, oh man, I'm messed up, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus. Lord, forgive me of my sin, please, all my past, present, and future sin, and I'll walk with you forward. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Something like that, right? We say that kind of prayer, and then at that point it's like, all right, we're good. Hallelujah. And then you keep living the same old way, except for with that one prayer, like barbecue sauce, just slather it all over everything else. Zacchaeus didn't even say a prayer yet. It didn't say he fell down on his knees. Oh, man, I'm so broken. I recognize that you're the son of God. I want to live for you now. Please forgive me of all my sin. You know, give me the sign of the cross or something. Right? Everybody clap their hands after I say yes. Zacchaeus didn't do any of that. His repentance looked like this. I messed up. I stole from people. I'm going to give back to people. Repentance. Repentance isn't just spiritual. It actually has to do with our actions being changed. Our lives being changed. We could say any prayer all we want, but if our life doesn't reflect that prayer, it's just words. But when we pray and say, Lord, I want to be different then what do we got to do? Be different. Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. Then guess what? Don't do that anymore. Lord, I'm going to start doing these things more. Okay, guess what? That's more than what we're going to do. Actions speak louder than words. Right? So maybe it starts with a prayer, but it shouldn't end with a prayer. Maybe it starts with a prayer, but it leads to action. I'm going to do something different. Zacchaeus experienced Jesus, and now his life was changed, and his actions changed. All of that changed. Because he had a, a meeting with Jesus. True repentance is followed by action. Right? So what is your response to the good news of Jesus Christ? What is your response to the invitation of salvation? Is your response, all right, great, cool, now I got a good luck charm. His name is Jesus. I'm going to wear a cross. I'm going to go to church every once in a while. Maybe I'll own a Bible. I might read it from time to time. That's my response. Or is your response, Lord, all of me needs you. Oh, I need to change the way I think. I need to change my actions. The, the way that I speak doesn't reflect somebody who's been redeemed by God. Lord, change the way that I speak. Lord, where I go and how I spend my time is really in places that don't bring you honor and glory. I need to spend my time differently. Uh, Lord, I, I, I want to be a new person and I, and I want my life to look more like yours. So I need to be familiar with who you are through your word. That means I need to spend more time in your word so that that can come out of me as I live my life daily. 
When we make that decision and we respond to the good news of Jesus Christ, things ought to change. I think of uh, this person, Zacchaeus. Like I said, he wanted to see Jesus, but he didn't want to be seen by Jesus. Maybe he thought spiritually he was a nobody because that's what the Pharisees said about him. They said, oh man, he's off the deep end. There's no hope for those kind of people. They've sold their souls to the devil. And yet Jesus comes and says, that ain't true, man. There's a future for you, bro. Don't let what these people have to say affect how God sees you. God gave him a new calling. And Zacchaeus' life was changed. Look what verse 9 says. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Oh, wow, what a powerful story we have here in Luke chapter 19 of a man who was stuck in his ways, but Jesus came and changed everything by inviting himself over to have lunch with him. Wow, our lives can be changed too. Right? And when we repent, it's not only a prayer, but it leads to action, a changed life, a restored life. This story is powerful because it reminds us wherever it is that you might be spiritually. Some of you are, man, you're right, right in the sweet spot. You are on fire for God. Others of you are, are you're still kind of looking over the fence, wondering how, how much closer you want to get. And Jesus is saying to you, come on in. It's all good. This is the best thing for you. Don't worry about trying to clean everything up before you invite me in. Come just like you are. Come just like you are. But when you come like you are, be open to change because that's how I operate. I'm going to help you change and be more like who God wants you to be. But it's a process and it starts with, with surrendering and saying, I'm ready. Right? That story is beautiful. Chief tax collector. As Jesus is passing through. So maybe Jesus is passing through your home or your street, or your neighborhood. Maybe somebody has logged in online and you accidentally found this link or a family or friend told you about this church and you're here with us. Jesus is passing through. The neat thing about Jesus is that he doesn't just stay locked in and focused on the next place that he's going to, but he's fully aware and present. Maybe he's speaking your name and saying, hey, I want to spend more time with you. What's your answer? Your answer, no, 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 not me. Somebody else. Or not yet, not yet. Maybe next time. Guess what? There wasn't going to be a next time. This is the last time he went to Jericho. From there he went to Jerusalem. Then he went to the cross. And he gave his life for us. Imagine being Zacchaeus, recognizing that that moment of having Jesus in your home would have been one of the last times Somebody hosted Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. Imagine feeling that for the rest of his life. I had the honor of having Jesus in my home. How powerful is that, right? I had the honor of him coming and, and changing my life. Everything I used to be, I'm different now. He's a, I bet you he was a blessing in Jericho from that point forward, right? 
He probably got really active and involved and, and continued the ministry of Christ there in Jericho because he had the opportunity to spend extended time with Christ on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified on a cross for us. And yet Jesus took time as he was passing through to see him. And I want to tell you something today that Jesus sees you no matter what you're going through or who you are. You could be hiding behind a bush, climbing up a tree. You could be too tall, too short. Too slow, too fast, whatever it may be. Jesus sees you right where you are. And just like he did with Zacchaeus, he didn't say, hey, here are my prerequisites that I need you to have in order, in order for me to come over and share some time with you in your home. He says, I'm coming to your house today. 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 Sometimes spiritually people are like, man, you know what? I want to stay close enough to Jesus, but maybe 10 years from now I'll get really serious. To be honest with you, I think I kind of had that mentality growing up. I love Jesus. I like Jesus. I want to be all in for Jesus, just not yet. Maybe one day I will. But for now, I'm just going to be Jesus enough. Until he finally said, that's not enough for me. I want everything. I want your whole life. So he said, I'm coming over today. Right, And I love it because Zacchaeus didn't even need Jesus to say, so what are you going to do differently now that I came over to your house? Right, Zacchaeus started with it. He said, Jesus, man, I'm honored to have you over my house. I'm giving away half of my stuff, and if I rip somebody off, I'm giving them four times what I ripped off. And I'm going to live differently from this point forward, and I know that you are the Son of God, and now I'm going to live my life in a way that honors God. And Jesus said, guess what, dude? Salvation has come to this house today. Amen. So I'd love to invite you for those who are able to please stand. And we're going to close in a word of prayer. And I want you right there where you are. I know I joked a little bit earlier, but seriously in this moment, reflect. If Jesus says, hey, I want to come over and spend some extended time with you. I want you right there between you and God to begin to, to kind of ponder within your own heart, what would that conversation be like? What would that moment be like to spend some extended time with Jesus in your home? Maybe for some of us, you'd just love to ask a bunch of questions. Others of you, you might begin to ask Jesus to come and do something in your life. I've been wrestling with this one thing, Lord, and from what I hear about you, you do miracles. From what I hear about you, you, you like to heal people who have tried everything and nothing seems to have worked. From what I hear, Jesus, you've got all the truth that anybody could ever offer. And, and I've got a lot of things on my mind. I'm not too sure where to go, what to do. And whatever it is that's in your heart that you would carry, I want you just right there as, as the worship team plays as we bring our time to a close this morning. What would that conversation be? approach that moment between you and Jesus.